You're listening to Hot Takes with Brittany and Travis. Damn, these takes are hot. Oh. Oh, I'm nervous. All right, let's get started. So we have the pleasure of welcoming Alex Hannon to the podcast today. So Alex, Brittany, and myself all went to high school together back in the day. And Alex and I actually went to University of Victoria together. We both did most of an economics degree and sort of an economics degree. (laughs) So... Why don't we why don't we start right there, Alex? What what did you mainly do right after you left the University of Victoria? I believe you started working at Uber right away. Uh, no, not quite. So I left the university in a blaze of glory, as I like to say, um, <laughs> dropping out after I think it was four years at Vic, maybe three. It was also long ago now. It's tough to remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I came back home, uh, moved into the the parents' house, which is everyone's dream after they drop out of university. <laughs> and at that point, you could say that the trajectory of my life was just skyrocketing. Um, I actually went and I worked with my brother uh, doing like landscaping construction, which I had done for uh, years and years. Uh, so did that for the summer. And... Uh, I'd like to say I made some money, but uh, I was paid in cash and I was going to the bar a lot. So (laughs) I made zero money doing that. It was ridiculous. And then the winter was coming up and I was faced with two options, which was to do snow removal, which if you've ever done snow removal, you know, is the worst thing you could ever do with your life or find another job. And so thankfully, uh, right around November of 2016, Uber was launching in Calgary. And uh, I got on board that train and I've been there ever since. So are you still with Uber now? I'm with Uber now for two more days. So (laughs) depending when you have the pleasure of listening to this, I will be officially unemployed. (laughs) So that was the main focus we wanted to discuss on this podcast. Thank you for the great intro. That's it's, it's so good to hear that uh, Uber's going well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, the main thing that we wanted to talk about today and with lots of our guests coming on our podcast is people in our age group seem to be going through what's called a quarter life crisis or trying to figure out what they're doing with their life. And now is a really interesting time to talk to yourself. So a little bit about me, I quit my job about two years ago now with basically nothing lined up and no idea what I wanted to do and ended up going back to school. And it seems like right now you're in a somewhat similar position. So You've left Uber and you're now determining what you want to do next. So walk me through a little bit of the thought process of what it's like to to quit your job with essentially nothing concretely lined up right afterwards. It was a tough decision to make. Like it, it's been something that I've been thinking about for a long time, which was leaving. Um, and I'm... I'm not really a person, at least not now. Like I left the university without knowing what the hell I was going to do, but I really wanted to have a backup plan. I didn't want to just leave Uber and have nothing. Uh, And the more I thought about it, the more, you know, I kind of reflected on how I was feeling, where my emotional state was at. Could I just stop? And then, you know, 
two weeks later, start up at another company and be ready to give it my all. And the more I thought about that, the more unrealistic that it seemed to me. Um, you know, it's, you know, every day I was drained. I didn't have the energy to do things. Um, and so I, you know, after a lot of thought, I, I decided that this was the best course of action for me was to leave and, and really take some time for the first time in a long time, you know, having done something that I did enjoy, um, and that I was good at, um, and use that to kind of catapult myself into whatever's next. I, I think I, I siloed myself for a long time into thinking I needed to be a part of tech. I needed to be, you know, in this industry cause that's where I've been. And there's so many other opportunities that I could go for. And I just don't know about them because I'm only being shown one industry. I'm only experiencing one thing. Uh, and so I'm going to, you know, obviously I'm going to take some time and just relax, unwind. Uh, I've been thinking about it every single day for like since I gave my notice of what I want to do. And it's funny. I have like this very like almost like romantic vision of it. You know, I want to wake up in the morning and I want to make my coffee and then I want to go cycle and I want to read and I want to do all those things. Uh, and, and honestly, just kind of like recenter and find myself again. You know, you mentioned that everyone kind of seems to be going through this quarter life crisis and, and reevaluating what they want to do. And you know, the pandemic's been good for that. It's, it's definitely helped people realize that what we do isn't sustainable or isn't what we should be doing. And I think I've had a very similar awakening to that where I'm like, why am I doing what I do? You know, like I, I could do far less and maintain the same style of life that I'm accustomed to. And like, I, you know, am I chasing some material goal right now? Cause that's what it feels like. It felt like I'm, I'm working so that I could buy shit and I have no interest in that. I don't, I don't need to buy shit. Uh, I want to, you know, I think the only, like where, where I'm focusing now is, is on experience. And I want to, I want to find some more of that in my life and not just wake up every day to go to an office where I am nothing but a number in a giant corporation. Do you think there's a way to, to balance both of those? So you want to find the experience and you mentioned you want to do all these things like, like you want to make your coffee and do all these out, outside activities that aren't related to work. Do you think that you're able to find that balance? Like, was it the work environment that you were in that didn't allow you to do that? Would it be a different job or is it just the matter that you just didn't have enough time? You know, I think it would be naive of me to say that we couldn't find that balance with the right position. It just wasn't there for me at the time. I, I, I wanted to try and find it, right? Like I spent four and a half years at Uber. So it wasn't like I, you know, like I was like, oh, this is unsustainable. I can't do it. Uh, but I think just more as I reflected on, you know, holy shit, I'm almost 30. Is this what I want to be doing? No, not really. And, and it kind of was a really similar process to when I left the university of Victoria. I didn't mean to say it like that. It sounds way more official <laughs> than it is. Um, but a very similar process. I'm like, is this what I'm doing? Like, you know, I was not a good student. I look back even on like high school and I'm like, I probably shouldn't have graduated, but I did. Uh, and I I was just an awful student. I didn't, I didn't like to learn that way and nothing interested me in that way. Um, and so I kind of look at everything that I'm doing now is life experience. I don't regret going to university. I don't regret dropping out of university. I don't regret working at Uber and I won't regret leaving either because I know that it's just going to lead me to that next step. And I'm excited to see what that is. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to look at it is like all the experience you have leads you to exactly the point you're at today. 
So it's never a bad thing to have experienced something. Um, what do you think your, your next steps are? And as far as the quarter life crisis goes, how far along the, the crisis are you? <laughs> what stage are you in right now? <laughs> as far as next steps goes, like I said, like just like relaxing for a little bit, figuring out what I want to do next. You know, I am lucky that I have been frugal and I have this opportunity to not work, right? Because it's, it is an opportunity that not a lot of people can say that they can do, you know, like not everyone can just be like, you know what? I want to take six months off. It's not an option. And I put myself in that position by not spending my money. And so, you know, I'm happy to be able to do that where I, you know, like I, we keep using the, the quarter life crisis and like, I don't really think it's a crisis. I think maybe it's, like it's, uh, amplified by the fact that, you know, well, we're in a pandemic and this huge life change. And I think I would be doing this regardless of if the, if we we're in the pandemic or not, like, it's just, it's kind of time, you know, when, when something has run its course and, and when it's time to move on. So I don't know where I am in my, in my crisis. You know, when I buy a Mustang in two weeks, you'll probably have a better idea, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of existing. I think it's interesting, like, when you talk about, like, the whole crisis mentality, I feel like there's just been a major shift in society where it's, like, before you just, like, you had to work, and then you ha- you get married, like, you get your degree, you get your job, you get married, you have kids, and there was, like, this step-by-step plan, and I remember, like, in high school, like, going through, there wasn't an option for me anyway to be, like, yeah, you can take your time and figure out what you want to do. It's, like, you go to university, you finish, and then you do that. And then now there's, I feel there's been this big shift. It's like, yeah, take your time to figure things out. You don't need to do this plan. And so I feel like that's where the crisis kind of comes in. It's like you grew up kind of with this mentality. And then now it's like this total shift and it can kind of be like, oh my gosh, like I actually can take my time. And that can just be such a big shock factor to some people. Why do you think there was no option for, like you said, there's this pathway that you're kind of thrust into to get your degree and have kids. Do you think, cause, cause obviously that didn't happen for Alex and myself as of yet. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's, it's different for, for women to want to go down that pathway or why is that kind of bias mm-hmm. there that, that you think there's no alternative option? I think it was almost just with like my own family. Like my mom had kids pretty young and they do say that that kind of trend does carry through. But when you look at like my baby group, like a lot of the women in my baby group, there was 10 of us, they were all 33 or older and I was 25. So I definitely was like the odd man out. Like a lot of them have put their career first and have built a strong foundation on their career and everything. So I don't think it may just be like my own personal experience, but Hmm. yeah, I don't know. I just never have been a big career person. (laughs) So I think that's definitely part of it. Like I enjoy my job and I enjoy my work, but it was never like my center focus for things. Have you ever felt that pressure, Alex? To have children? No, Mm -hmm. no, I haven't. I have not. Uh, I felt the exact opposite pressure actually uh, to do everything in my power to not have children. (laughs) I'm happy to say that through 28 years, I've been completely successful. (laughs) Knock on wood. It can happen. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thank you can take all the precautions and they sneak on through (laughs) bernie you've had two of them now so you guys are doing something wrong yeah (laughs) so i mean more so from your family though or like 
from society in general? Do you feel that pressure as a male to go the traditional route of, of having a, a family and a, and a white picket fence and to go like that traditional route? I mean, for myself, I've never wanted to have kids. Or I guess I should rephrase that. Like I have thought about it and the, the, the option of like adoption has always come up as something that, that would be more interesting. So the traditional route of one, having children, no, it's never really been something that I've been into. And even, you know, throughout the relationship, not something that's been um, something that we've talked about a, a huge amount. I think from like the white picket fence perspective and, and having a house, you know, it's, you know, you mentioned about like our parents' generation and they, you know, they, graduate they get the job they buy the house they have the kids and that's just become far more unlikely for our generation right like fuck i don't know anyone other than Brittany who owns a house <laughs> nobody right well i'm sure there's some people that i'm just forgetting right now but it's just not really it anymore mostly because earnings haven't kept up with what shit costs and we can't afford to buy houses and again that goes back to my my first point of what am i working for am i working so i can buy this piece of land and and that was another reason why I was able to to leave my job because I was thinking, well, like, what am I working for? Am I working to get a mortgage right now? And then once I get a mortgage, am I going to work to pay that mortgage? And like, is that really what I want? Do I really want to be stuck in this this endless cycle of like, oh, I owe the bank something? And it just wasn't something that appealed to me. So now it's like, you know, one day, yes, I would like to probably own a house, but it's not like a, a, a make or break thing. And I think from the societal output of like, do I feel like I need to be a part of this rat race? No, not so much. But that's also taken a lot of, a lot of like self-talking. There's probably a better way to phrase that. But deleting social media has been a huge thing for me on that. Because I don't, you know, for better or worse, I don't really see what people are doing. And all the social media does is it kind of amplifies your own insecurities. And now that I don't see those things, I don't compare myself to what other people are doing. Right. I'm not living my life for anyone else. I'm living it for me. And you know, there's only so much time that you have to do these things. And, and, and maybe that's what the pandemic has done is kind of put this into perspective a little bit more, especially for countries like Canada, where for the most part, you know, your life expectancy is pretty high and your quality of life is relatively high. And you don't, you don't really think about your, your, longevity too much but then when you think oh shit like i could get COVID and i could die that changes things right and then you think well like what have i done like if i was laying on my deathbed having caught the pandemic would i be happy with what i had done and the answer was no there's a lot of super interesting pieces i want to break down from that because that, that's such a good question like if, if you I'm can't, a super interesting guy. <laughs> I just mean, if you can't answer yes to that question, then you're clearly on the wrong path. Like that's a very binary way of looking at things. You mentioned like it, you're kind of steering towards this, no social media, no traditional capitalist society enforced life that you want to go down. So and I know you're a big fan of the Unabomber and. Oh man, I, I was talking about that with Christine earlier. Cause that was going to be my fun fact. <laughs> And she's like, I don't think they're going to want to go there. I, I do like, want to go there. I'm, I'm going to want to go there. <laughs> so the, the the underlying story behind the Unabomber is he basically moved to the forest and cut himself off from society. So that's obviously the very extreme case of what you can do to, to get out of the rat race. Like, do you relate a lot to that? Is that a pathway that you've explored and, and think you would eventually want to try? Okay. So 
when we start talking about the Unabomber, uh, his name is Ted Kaczynski, when we start going down this pathway, I need to preface that, like, I don't dig what the Unabomber <laughs> did. Um, that kind of just needs to be stated right off the bat. Like, I'm not sitting there and, like, I don't have pictures of him up on my wall. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. This was cool. Um, and he he did write a manifesto. And if you've read the manifesto, like, it's, it's eh, you know, like, there's, he was, he was both incredibly intelligent and out of his mind right but what i do agree with him on is that we have kind of lost our agency as human beings to make decisions because we base all of our decisions in like this rat race this this technology that we rely on to be human now and i think that's something that i've tried to move myself away from we don't think critically anymore because we can have things that think critically for us. We don't make decisions anymore because we have things that make decisions for us. And, and that's something that I relate to where I feel like we're not we're not really humans anymore. We kind of just regurgitate whatever the fuck Google tells us. Right. And so, like, when I think about it, I think of like we're like a Google society, you know, or like, oh, let me Google that. And that's how you figure things out. And I think that's what I'm trying to get away from is I don't want to rely on these things. I don't. I don't think that's what we were meant to do is to rely on technology to be people, right? We, we moved away from what we are. Um, I've had conversations with both of you and probably while I was drunk or stoned about how I don't think that our brain has developed enough to handle this input that we have. And I truly do believe that, right? Um, if we think of something like the hunger reflex that we feel in our brain, it's still very primitive. It's still very similar to what, you know, the cave, men would have would have felt where like when there's food in front of us you eat the food or sorry they would eat the food because you don't know when your next meal is coming and we still have that same primitive input in our brain right we see the food we eat the food because we don't know when our next meal is coming even though we all know when our next meal is coming right and think about how long it's been since we've been in that caveman society now fast forward to now think about like what year is it 2021 think about 2005 because that's kind of before all of this tech really started to explode. And think about how much your life has changed in the last 16 years. Think about the input of social media, the constant stream of communication that we have, Netflix, YouTube, everything. Amazon gets shit to your door in five minutes, right? Like our brains are not ready to deal with this. And even as we look at people who are growing up in it, their brains are not developed enough to handle it either. You look at things like, uh, like if you look at like the suicide rate among adolescents, it's skyrocketing right now because they don't know how to handle social media, right? And we were in a very unique position because we would have had that social media input come in. Like I got Facebook in the ninth grade, right? So we had a whole adolescence without it. And then also, you know, like it's almost like a 50-50 at this point of like how much of our life was and was not with it. So I feel like we were almost maybe better to deal with it, but it still impacts us in such a negative way because our brains can't take back and think this isn't real. This isn't real. All we see is perfection, 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 striving to get it loneliness because we're not a part of it. And it hasn't helped us at least not in the, not, not in a degree where I think it can justify what it's done to us. Hmm. I think that's interesting. Um, point to bring up like, I've already told Garth, like, we're getting Grayson and all of our flip phones. <laughs> like, there's no way they're going to be, like, on these social accounts. Because I just, especially with, like, males are much more likely to self-harm or 
anything like that. So I definitely like that's always on my mind. But um, I don't know, like when once you said like the comparison thing, I think it depends on like your own perception of things. Like we touched on this briefly in our interview with Michael where it's like before I would follow all these like influencers or people who are just in a different life stage of myself. And I sit there and I'd be like, oh, like, wow, look at this, look at that. And like, I can definitely see the comparison game. And then I shifted my mentality and I started following people that were in the same life stage of me. And it was amazing, like the difference in like my own confidence and everything that happened. So I think it's like people can either like get sucked down that hole, whether in the constant comparison, or they can use the platforms to help push themselves forward and be like, wow, we're very similar. And like, now you're in that motivation stage versus that comparison stage. So I think they, I definitely see like what you're saying, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of ways that it, it helps to push people too. That's a good point. And, uh, you know, I'd be the first to admit that my perspective is probably more unique and, and probably a little mm-hmm. bit more uh, extreme than most, but it, it was like my personal perspective. Right. And there are oh, things right. that, that social media that I, I kind of miss about it. You know, I think like if you read the social media or if you read posts about people who are like, I quit social media for 30 days and this is what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them talk about like more fulfilling connections with the people that they knew because they had to reach out more intentionally to those people. Right. And and that's definitely an area where I have struggled. I'm not a person who does that. I've never been a person that does that. You know, I'm the kind of person that can go months without talking to somebody and then be like, oh, great. Like, let's catch up because I don't need that constant, that constant input. And not everyone is wired that way. And it doesn't work for everybody, right? Some people, whether they have social media or not, would be intent, intentional with, with reaching out to people. And so, yeah, there are areas where I think like, you know, at times I'm like, oh, like I haven't talked to so-and-so, like, would it be easy if I just had Instagram? Like, could I just like, you know, send them a funny picture? And then they're like, oh, okay, great. You know, I've had my quota of communication. Um, or should I be more intentional? Should I be, should I be making that phone call? Should I be booking that time in to have that conversation? Should I be writing them a letter and, and sending it into the post? Have you seen your overall consumption of social media just be replaced with other forms of media because you've mentioned that you've kind of cut out all different forms of social media and i and i think to usually drop a bad habit you need to replace it with something else so have you found a balance there because i'm also struggling to cut ties with all of my different social media platforms and it becomes increasingly difficult if you're trying to start something like a podcast like how do you cut yourself off from social media so i'm curious like what your strategy has been to eliminate it and if there's any alternatives that work better for doing it. So first of all, that's a loaded question because you already know the answer, but we'll share with everybody. Um, like I use Reddit and I don't view Reddit in the same way because a lot of my issues with social media come from comparison uh, and, and trying to like play that rat race. And to me, Reddit is like, it's mindless, but it's also informative. Uh, but I also don't like, you know, I don't see Reddit and go, Oh, I wish I had that life. Right. Oh, I wish I was doing this. Oh, like, why wasn't I invited to this event? Or, Oh, like, you know, I could have been at the bar and that looks like so much fun. Right. Like I use Reddit to read funny articles and and kind of like find like weird, unique things that I'm interested in that another group of people are like passionate about as well. And I also don't use Reddit in a uh, in a social media sense. Like I don't comment, or like I comment very infrequently. If I think I can drop a funny office quote somewhere and get some upvotes, I'm like, yeah, like I'll probably do it. Like I've had Reddit for years. I probably have like ten comments. So I'm not really using it that same way. 
And for all the other ones, I just kind of decided one day. I was just like, I just don't want this on my phone. And I think like the biggest thing for me was after deleting it. And then, you know, you go into that kind of like almost um, autopilot mode where you unlock your phone and then you click on where your social media used to be. And you're like, uh, why did I just do that? And then you don't know. And it's like, that was the biggest thing for me. That was when I really realized like, I, you know, I, have, I have a problem. Like I'm, I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to what it's giving me and I need to find that somewhere else. Um, I think like the biggest thing for me that I've tried to replace it with is, is reading. Uh, that's probably where like, you know, I, I don't sleep with my phone next to the bed. I, I have books next to the bed and that's what I'll do. You know, like when I wake up on the weekend, if I want to do something, I'll make my coffee and I'll read, uh, before bed, make my, or I was going to say before bed, make my coffee and I'll read but, you know, <laughs> like, before bed, do the same thing, right? Like pick up a book and, and, and do it that way. And do you find that with a reading your overall consumption has gone down like compared to how much Reddit you're using versus the total amount of social media apps you had before. It's tough. I, I don't, I don't know. I never had the screen time on when I, um, when I had social media. So I don't know, but for now, like, you know, for all of you folks that have the newest iPhone update, what well, has the widgets, I have my screen time right in front of me so that I know what's going on every single day. And I, I look at it every single day and I get my weekly reports and I'm like, okay, this is where I'm sitting so that's probably like the most intentional that I've been with it. And it's still tough, right? Like every day is still Reddit. And I, I fully recognize that I am addicted to Reddit um, because I know like I went through a phase where I'd be like, okay, like on the weekdays, I'm deleting the app. I'm not having it on my phone. It's just not allowed. And, you know, Friday after work, when I get home, if I want it, I'll download it. And then what I found myself was, you know, during the week, my most used was Firefox. I'm like, why am I on Firefox so much? Oh, well, because I'm on Reddit on Firefox. <laughs> Yeah, I had a similar experience with Instagram. Like I deleted the app and was fine deleting that, but then went went okay for a couple of weeks. And then you find you log into Safari because I use Safari <laughs> instead of Firefox. <laughs> um, and you log into Safari and I see that's my now my number one use thing. And it's because I logged into Instagram one time and then now I'm just, my muscle memories suddenly redeveloped to, to always be going to that. And it's because it's an addiction. It's so hardwired at this point. Exactly. Right. Like you, you literally can't go without it. You're trying to find a fix and you're kind of convincing yourself like, oh no, like I'm fine. It's, you know, I'm just on it on, on Safari. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm an, cause I'm an idiot that uses Safari. Um, but this is okay. Like I'm not using it as much. And when in reality, you're just mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing. I know like Instagram is like, I haven't had Instagram on my phone. Um, since I can't even remember. It's been so long. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I haven't logged in on Instagram. I haven't used it on well, my personal Instagram. Now I know like when Travis and I were trying to start podcasts and doing shows and stuff like that, we had our Instagrams and I, I went on it to like see it. Right. Cause there was photos or something. So I was on our Instagram and like we followed a couple of people and I was just like, all of a sudden I was scrolling Instagram again and I was like, holy shit. Like, what am I doing? right like mm-hmm. I, I don't care about any of this shit like this is it's so weird but it's it's so easy to get back into that trap of you know oh i want to see what's going on this is so cool and i guess i just had to remind myself that i don't really give a shit yeah i i went through a period two where i deleted all my socials as well and that was it was like so nice because it was like i was going through a breakup and it was just, like, nice to, like, get all anything out of your head, you know? Like, everyone has creeped, like, exes or, like, exes new person or, like, anything like that. So it was, like, get rid of everything. And then the worst thing that ever happened was 
he reached out to me on Pinterest. And I never even thought of Pinterest as like a social media outlet. And I was like, I have to delete Pinterest now too. I'm like, what else is my phone good for? Like, and it was just, yeah, it's just like so shocking. Like how much, like, you, like even the, like the name phone, like when you talk your phone, you think of like calls or something like that. And it's like, I feel like it's just not even used for that anymore. It's just all the social media apps. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up Pinterest. So I just watched The Social Dilemma and the president of Pinterest is on that. And he mentions he's at work all day trying to design this to be the most engaging platform ever. And people are just sucked into it and spending all this time. And then he addresses that he came home knowing exactly how the machine works and he's still on Pinterest himself and not spending time with his two kids. So it's like, that's how deeply ingrained it is when even the people that know exactly how it works and how it's trying to trick you into steal all your attention, like he couldn't even fight it. And there's no one really addressing. That's what every app is doing. They're all just trying to steal your attention. So yeah, it, it's such a losing game for all of us because well, we just keep downloading more apps and then replacing them. And I, I find it like I do use the screen time app and I find it quite shocking to see the amount of time you can just spend in one day in one app like my instagram consumption used to be multiple hours a day and that is just shocking (laughs) i think that's what most people our age at least probably people that are younger than us are going through a very similar experience i love the screen time um playing i always look at it as like a goal like my goal is to be under an hour a day and the closest i've got is an hour 45 that's not close at all i'm always (laughs) I know, but like, I'm like trying so hard. I'm like, I'm going to get under an hour. I'm going to get, but like part of my, like the most I probably use my phone is for FaceTime because my parents are like, Grayson, Oliver, blah, blah, blah. But that's like our number one. Well, I wouldn't call FaceTime a a bad app. Like that is still that face-to-face connection. Like I wouldn't really classify that as part of the hour and 45 minutes if you're trying to get it under an hour. Like if you're using texting or calls, like, those are the kind of the standard uses of your phone and FaceTime I categorize. That's probably even better than doing a phone call or, or texting. No. But when you look at all the no. other different apps that combine, it's it's quite shocking. And oh yeah. I think the only approach is to just cut out all of cut out every single one of them and then try and just handpick like the two or three that you might use. But it's it's a lot more difficult to implement than it is to say. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's also situational, right? Like you talked about like starting a podcast or or really trying to have any presence online or market yourself at all. There is no other way right now mm-hmm. than to use social media. And, you know, I've even had conversations with Christine about her social media use and like, you know, she runs a business. That's that's where she generates clients from, right? And so like it, it is completely different and I think you have to be even more intentional with it at that point. You know, I just looked at my phone usage. I'm at uh, two hours and 20 minutes today. And I was like, okay, like, what the fuck did I spend two hours and 20 minutes doing? And an hour and 20 minutes of it is Reddit. I'm like, okay, great. I can't tell you a single thing I saw on Reddit today that was memorable or informative uh, or useful or that I'll remember. And I think, again, that's part of the problem is like, we're just so engaged, which is completely corporate bullshit talk for addicted <laughs> that we can't stop engaging. Yeah, our brain exists in this state of being overstimulated all the time. So you, anytime you feel a whim of, of boredom or anxiety or anything, you just reach for your phone and then 
after you've got your phone in your hand, it's just muscle memory to whatever app you use the most. Like for yourself, it's Reddit. And for Brittany, it's Pinterest talking to her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> no, that is not true. <laughs> no, don't spread the rumors. That's but, a hot um, take. You heard it here for her. No. Yeah, if, you, uh, if you guys want to jump into Brittany's DMs, Pinterest no. is where it's at. Yeah, it's Brittany with two eyes. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I We looked at this one thing, um, or article, I should say, in my school, and they talked about um, how like ADHD rates because our school, there's a lot of children with ADHD and they were saying like the contributing factors like of technology. And they're saying it's like harder and harder to diagnose ADHD because they're like, everyone's like a little bit ADHD, but it's like, you can like focus and you're like constantly jumping from like app to app to app to app. app, And you're kind of like almost like tunneling your ADHD where, where beforehand, like you could really tell, like who was, who wasn't because like phones have almost become a fidget because they're allowed in a lot of classrooms where like before there was no phones or anything. So you could see this kid like wiggling or doing whatever. And you knew that they were ADHD where like now you see kids and if they're wiggling or if they don't have their phone, it's like, do they want their phone to look at or is it genuinely an issue? So it was just like interesting, like how they said like it can play a big part in like diagnosing these um these conditions so so did you say that phones are allowed in the classroom not at my school but a lot of schools they are like when i was subbing they were like always like oh it's okay like if the phone's in the class like they can use it for assignments and stuff like if they need to look something up wow yeah wow All I remember from elementary school is, you know, you got to learn this because you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket. Yeah, no, not gone are those days. Gone are those days. Yeah. So, I mean, at my school's a little bit different because you have a phone because of the kids like freaking out, you know, it's going on YouTube or something. Mm. <laughs> so we don't have any, any phones at ours, but I mean, like all the teachers carry phones on them. For like safety reasons, but most of the time, in case one of these children attacks you, yeah, you can, uh, you know, send the SOS out <laughs> just a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. Like to see, like tying it kind of back to the quarter life crisis. Like, do you think people would have? I feel like people pre-technology weren't really having quarter life crisis, but we're the more midlife crisis. But now it's like with the technology, it's like, I feel shifted into these quarter life crises or crises. I mean, we live in the opportunity Mm -hmm. age, which is why I think it's so prevalent amongst our demographic. Cause we're really the first generation that has basically had unlimited potential. Like maybe the people of a couple of years older than us as well. They also had the internet age, but we're at the point now where if you can imagine it in the next couple of years, it's probably going to exist already. And Mm -hmm. I I think we get super bogged down with like you quit your job. Now I suddenly have 150 other different options to pursue and it's, it's very difficult to to hone down on, on one different thing. So as someone who is just leaving their job and fresh on that path, Alex, do you find yourself getting like information overload and too many opportunities are now presenting themselves or are you 
trying to like stick it to, to one single thing and hone in on that? Um, I definitely wouldn't say that I have information overload or too many opportunities. Like nobody is crawling to get me to join their company, obviously. Um, yeah, I think like my biggest thing right now is I'm, I'm trying to see like, where do I want to spend my time? That's really what my biggest thing is, right? Because at the end of the day, time is the most precious resource. And if you think about the things that we use the most frequently or, or that are the most popular, uh, the things that save us time. And so I'm like, okay, like, what do I, what do I want to spend my time doing? And, you know, I've given it some thought. I'm like, do I want to work at a company where I'm going to work 80 hours a week? Is that something that like I really want to do? Or do I want to work part time and, and be able to, you know, you kind of afford the bare minimum and enjoy the things that I like to do and the things that I'm passionate about doing. Where do I want to, can I find that balance? And I think that is the tricky part is to, is to try and find that balance. And, you know, do I think that there's a scenario where I would work 80 hours a week and be totally fine doing it? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like I do think that there are things out there that I would love to do. And do I think there's a scenario where I work, you know, part-time at a grocery store and, you know, bag groceries and make enough money to get by. Yeah. I, I think that's a possibility as well. I think it's a realistic possibility. Um, so it's, it's really like, it, I think right now I'm looking at it as like, you know, the world is my, my oyster and now I just got to figure out what's inside of it. I'm shucking it right now. <laughs> shucking away. Yeah. Before you quit your job, like did you and Christine have, a conversation about it or was it like solely just like you focused in and like you're like i need to do this for me no we had a conversation about it mm-hmm. um and she was like she was a huge supporter of it which made my life way easier right to know that we could do this and it was just kind of like you know i've noticed like differences in your mood and 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 changes in, in how you are and just like i know that you're not happy here and you know obviously i bitched about my job and, and some of the situations that i had gone through and things that i'd experienced and you know, it just at the end of the day, it wasn't worth it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I wasn't, I wasn't being paid an insane amount of money, but I was comfortable. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm willing at a weird time to give up that comfortableness. And, you know, it's kind of weird. We were, um, we were, uh, <laughs> we were going through our kitchen this weekend to take a bunch of stuff to value village and uh, trying to downsize a little bit. And um, we're packing up some glasses and we pulled some old newspapers. And one of these articles that just randomly pops up was like kind of like traveling the less traveled path. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like a a weird thing to just pop up randomly as we're cleaning our kitchen out. But I started to read the article and, you know, that's kind of what it was. It was like, like kind of like confirming some of those ideas like who am i doing these things for if not myself and why do i want to go on anyone else's path and why do i care if you know at the 10 year same marriage reunion if someone's like oh man what are you doing i'm like nothing i'm not doing shit <laughs> like why would i care because i don't need to impress you i i i haven't thought about you in 10 years i hope you haven't thought about me in 10 years and you know what you're doing is cool and i hope you're happy and what i'm doing is what i want to do and i'm gonna be happy about it you're busy planning the 10-year reunion, remember? I don't know if you know me, Brittany. I think I've probably planned like two events in my entire life. I am I'm not much of a planner. You know what? Now you have all this time. Get moving. Get cooking. You know what? <laughs> Maybe the passion was was event planning all along. And I just never knew. Maybe I need there to put you people go. in places. I feel like there's an untapped market for male event planners. So you can just start our bulldoze in that industry right I'm about, there. To, I'm about to tap that market let me tell you 
Actually, Mike said something to mirror that exact statement where he said a lot of, you know, that guy can talk and talk and he had a lot of wisdom to share with us. But one of the ones that actually really resonated with me was when we were on the topic of social media and he said, you know, don't compare your journey to anyone else's journey. And, And I think that's, it's pretty powerful because you may end up in a similar spot, but like some people take way longer or way shorter to get there. And I think that is one of the things that's nice about social media is you don't really feel that need to have your 10 year reunion anymore, because all that really is, is a way to compare your journey to other people's. And while that might be healthy once every 10 years, it just kind of might be interesting. Like right now we're being bombarded with other people's journeys. And every time you see someone else's, all that is, is a distraction to what's really important to you. And I do kind of relate with your your thinking that you want to just, you know, move away from it all and live in isolation because that's where you can truly like hone your goals and determine like what is valuable and important to you. Because I heard this crazy stat that anytime you get a distraction, like I, I've really started to research like how you, you get into that peak state of flow and, and get your, your most productive work done. And I know you've done the same, Alex. And I heard the stat that once you get any type of distraction, it takes over an hour to get your attention back onto the task that you're doing. That's any like one little text on your phone because a little piece of it remains in your brain after you've, you know, received that notification and you can't get a hundred percent committed back to the task until an hour later, once it finally leaves. And to me, that sounds like we are all living in the most unproductive way possible. So I I know we've both kind of got into minimalism and, and I I get what you're saying. (laughs) But how how extreme do you do you take this? Like, like like, are you seriously contemplating you just getting away from it all? Like, do you think that would be beneficial? Um, I mean, like, I think I think I answered this earlier. Like, probably not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to run off into the woods as much as maybe I would like to and would enjoy that. But I do think like I'm I'm, I'm moving away from you know that that consumer. Or like that consume just to consume mentality that I want this because I want this. And it's funny you mentioned minimalism because a couple of weekends ago, Christina and I watched the new minimalism documentary on Netflix, which is with those two guys. It's just like a revisiting of it. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I watched it, yeah. And literally immediately after, I walked into my closet and I started pulling shit out. I was like, eh, 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 pulling shit out, pulling shit out, pulling shit out. And I got rid of like probably 75% of my closet. Wow. Just gone. Yeah, donated it. Felt great. This is my little plug to myself. Everyone, I donated clothes. I am a god. Um, but I, yeah, I just pulled it out. I was like, I don't need this. I don't need this. And and I did it with everything. And now I walk to my closet and I'm so happy every day because I'm like, this is just what I use. When I'm folding clothes, there's not that many. When I'm shoving things into my closet, I don't have to move shit out of the way. It's just, this is what I like to wear. And I think that's also been changed in how I buy clothes. Now, you know, how I shop, is interesting because I'm a large human being. Um, and so it's not always easy to find things that fit nicely, but like, you know, I've been thinking a lot more about second hand or like we've been going to value village and like just trying to find pieces here and there. And, and like even things for the house, it's, you know, I'm going to go to value village and I'm going to buy things here instead of buying it on Amazon. So I think in some regards, I'm definitely trying to move away from, from those things. Um, you know, like with my cell phone, generally when I'm at work, I put my cell phone in my bag and I leave it. And I don't touch it. Uh, even once I'm home, it generally will go, you know, on a charger and it'll sit there. 
mostly because I don't trust it. And maybe this is a little more conspiracy than we want to be, but I don't trust them. Uh, so I don't, I don't generally like to have conversations in front of my cell phone if I can help it. But I also wear an Apple watch. So really, does it kind of matter? I don't know. I, there's a bunch of double standards. I can't be fucked to keep track of all of them. But like, I, I am, I am trying to move away from it. Um, I just think that you don't need these things to be happy. And, and I was thinking about this actually, you know, kind of in advance of this, because I figured this is where this topic was going to go. Cause I know both of you and I know what you want to talk about. You know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about money and I was thinking about from day one at Uber versus what I make now at Uber. And it is a significant increase from what I was making to what I am making. Um, and I thought about when I had got those increases and how did I feel when I got those increases? And then how did I feel after? And so I kind of looked at, you know, you can, I can see like, it's all laid out very cute in a nice dashboard. So they can show you how much more you make and it's very official and look at this. And I thought back to the times when I had got those increases and I can't remember being any happier. And if anything, I was probably less happy um, because with those, you know, came that responsibility, came that increased pressure, came whatever, whatever came along with it. Um, and I, you know, even as I was making the decision to leave, uh, I thought to myself, how much money would it take for me to stay? And the numbers that I was coming up with were outrageous because I was just like, you know what? Like there is, there is no amount of money that they could pay me to stay right now. That is realistic, right? Like I just, that was the point I was at. Um, it, it wasn't something that interested me anymore. And, you know, I am, I'm thankful that money is not my number one motivator in life because then, you know, some people are driven that way. Some people like the money and they'll, they'll keep pushing at it. But that was, that was eye opening for me to know that even with the amount of money that I made, it, I never, I never noticed this, this huge increase in happiness. And if they, if you're not noticing that it's kind of the same, the same metaphor I used earlier, if you're on your deathbed, right? Like if you're not noticing that, then what the fuck are you doing it for? Right? Like, am I doing it so I can retire in 40 years? It's like, you know, I may not make it to retirement. Then what has this all been about? And, you know, that's a, that's a tough conversation to have with yourself too. But I think it's also an honest one, right? Especially in today, right? You may not make it, right? You could wake up tomorrow and get hit by a fucking bus and that would be it. And sweet. Did you make enough money? Did you, did you get that raise? And again, right? Like this is, this is just me and, and not everyone is going to resonate with this. Some people are going to be like, wow, Alex sounds like a fucking idiot. Like what happened to that guy? <laughs> Who hurt you? Right. But it, it's just, it's just what's been important to me and it, it hasn't been those things. I think that's so valuable to determine now. Like we're, mm. we're all going through this incredibly challenging time together and we're almost all in our thirties now. And I think discovering that you're not 100% driven by money when you're in your 30s versus in your 60s is it could completely alter the course of your life. So that's so empowering to kind of discover now. Um, do you think that with this pandemic, like did this accelerate your idea to, to, to leave your job and find something else? Or was this entirely written on the wall already and you were destined to go down this path it was just maybe pushed back a year or so mm. you know it's tough um i i was actually looking back at my journals from the beginning of, of 2019 and uh 
It's actually pretty funny. I started a I started a journal right at the beginning of 2019. Um, and my first journal entry, I'll share it with y'all. The first little entry was it was it was uh, it was 2 a.m. Um, like I think it was January 4th or January 5th or something like that. It was 2 a.m. and I was laying in bed. I couldn't sleep and uh, I was drinking water and I spilt an entire mason jar of water <laughs> on my bed at two in the morning and i just wrote great like 2019 is off to a fantastic start and little did i know what was about to take place so a little precursor there but it's uh you know but but sorry to come back to the journal i was also reflecting earlier in the year of like you know it had been a year since i had taken on more responsibility and doing the job that i'd done and and to me i was doing a good job and i was in a good place um and i was kind of like finding myself and really honing in on the skills that i was developing and and thought like i can do this you know because i had experienced quite a bit of imposter syndrome when i first started um, which i think is inevitable i don't think anyone goes through a new position and doesn't feel some kind of imposter syndrome and so i I dealt with a lot of that and then as i was coming i was like i can do it i can do it and so i guess yeah like maybe maybe the pandemic did or maybe it was just the changes in my mind of of where i wanted to be but it was definitely amplified over the last couple of months of this is this is not what i want to be doing anymore that was you know I, i think like had I been laid off in in May when when Uber did huge cuts of of layoffs, I I wouldn't have been all that upset. And I think like that was the biggest telling point for me at that point. I was like, okay, like I would have been fine from an emotional standpoint. And mm-hmm. so at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not totally invested. And you know, it may have also opened me up and to to some of my naivety of of thinking like, oh, you know, like I'm at this company and I've been here for a long time. They're going to value me, right? Like I could have been snipped that morning and no one would have cared. It wouldn't have made a difference to anyone's life, but my own. And so that's another thing. I'm like, why, why am I busting my ass for a company that views me as a number? You know, if, mm-hmm. if I'm a number to them, then they are a number to me. And, you know, at the end of the day, that number just, it wasn't enough for me to want to keep doing anything. 